0: Listening. to the Living Room North Podcast. Tonight, uh, we get to wrap up this series that we've been in called Living the Dream. And it's been an incredible series so far. I've, I've gotten to listen um, to Crystal's message last week and then Lauren's message in part two and Ryan as he kicked off this series. And it's been such a good series so far. And if you've been with us throughout this series, you know that we're journeying through the story and the life of a man named Joseph. And this is a story that's recorded in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the very first book of the Old Testament. And tonight we get to take a look at the moment in Joseph's life when he reunites with his brothers for the very first time, the very same brothers that once sold him into slavery. So that's where we're headed tonight. And I just want to say this from the start. And I don't say this lightly, honestly, but I really do believe that tonight, tonight's message has the power and the potential to significantly shift some things in your life. In fact, I'll say this, and this kind of feels a little bit weird to say, but, and I don't say this a lot, but I feel like tonight's message has the power and potential to significantly shift some things in my own life. So like, I want you to know that as I'm speaking to you tonight, I'm not just up here preaching a sermon to you. No, I am preaching just as much, if not more, to myself. As I've been preparing for this talk and, like, going through my notes and just looking things over, reading the text, I have been time and time again convicted and challenged and encouraged and at points, like, getting emotional of, like, Matt, wow, you needed to hear this. In fact, you didn't just need to hear this, but there's some things that you need to go do. And so there was some names of people that were coming to mind for me and just some action steps. And so I hope that the same can be true for you tonight in about 25 minutes, that when you leave here, you won't just say, oh, man, great night, like another good TLR Wednesday night. My hope is that you'll leave here and say, man, there's some work that I might need to go do. There's some things I might need to think about, some things I might need to pray about, some conversations I might need to have with my small group or people close to me. And maybe you're like, okay, well, Matt, like who is tonight specifically for? Like, of course, tonight's for everybody, you know, glad you're here, but who's tonight specifically for? And if you were to pin me to that question, if I were to answer you, I would say, well, I think tonight is specifically for you if any of the following statements maybe would apply, even just a little bit. Like, if anyone in your life close to you has ever hurt you, then I think tonight is specifically for you. I think tonight, specifically for anyone who may have a complicated or even broken relationship with a family member. I think tonight is for the person who maybe feels like they've ever struggled with, even just a little bit, if you've ever struggled with forgiving someone because you felt like by forgiving them, you were somehow letting them off the hook for what they did or said to you. Like, you feel like if you extended forgiveness to them, that meant that they were just going to think, oh, now we're good. Like, the relationship's back to normal, and so you didn't even want to give them that satisfaction even just for a moment. You didn't want them to give, have that joy of feeling like they're good, like they've, you've, you know, they've apologized, everything's straight. If you've ever felt that way even just a little bit, then I think tonight is for you. And so I think there's probably a lot of you in the room tonight that are like, okay, well, one of those statements, maybe a couple of those statements, maybe all of those statements, like, applied to me. And so I think for a lot of you, you're probably thinking like this, this talks for me and I'm thinking the same thing for myself. And so as we get started tonight, I I just want to give you a quick challenge and this might be kind of difficult to do, but um, I would love for you just for a second to think about the worst thing anyone has ever done to you. And, And just hold on to that just for a second. I know that could be tough, but just think about the worst thing anyone has ever done to you. And for Joseph, it was probably, I don't know this for fact, but I would guess for Joseph, the worst thing that ever happened to him, the worst thing anyone ever did to him, was probably when his brothers, his own brothers, sold him into slavery. Like, I would imagine that was the worst moment for Joseph. And let me just really quick uh, catch you up with where we've been so far in the story and uh, so that you know kind of where we're, you have a little bit more context for where we're going tonight. So Joseph is one of 12, right? Like he has 11 brothers and he is not the youngest brother. He has one younger brother. He's the second youngest. But while Joseph isn't the youngest, he is absolutely the favorite. Like his father, Jacob, um, he didn't even hide this. Like he made it known that Joseph was the favorite son. Um, Some of you, you know what that's like. Like you might be like the favorite child in your family. I'm not gonna ask you to like raise your hand or anything, Some of you are like, yo, that's me, and it's cool if it's you. Um, You have a lot in common with Joseph. But Joseph was the favorite, right? Like his dad gave him this really ornate, some people think a colorful robe, to kind of show to the brothers, to show to everyone, like, Joseph is my guy. Like, he is my favorite son. So his brothers, his 11 other brothers, they despised him. In fact, they, they hated him. They couldn't say a single kind thing about him. So, so one day, his brothers feel like there's this perfect opportunity for them to get rid of him. Like, literally, they were going to kill the man. But then one of the brothers is like, hey, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just, let's just sell him into slavery. Like, that's, that's a whole lot better, right? And so they decide, like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. So they sell their own brother Joseph into slavery for what would be the equivalent in today's time of $200, Like you can barely buy like a couple pairs of Air Force Ones for two hundred dollars, you know? Like you can't even buy a pair of Jordans for two hundred dollars. My last pair of Jordans were were I'm not I won't say, but but you two hundred dollars. Like really, like they couldn't get more than two hundred dollars? That is insane. So they sell their own brother Joseph into slavery, and then not long after that, Joseph gets sold uh, to this man named Potiphar, and so now Joseph is kind of working in Potiphar's household. Joseph does such a good job that he, earn, he earns favor in Potiphar's eyes, and Potiphar gives him like all this responsibility and authority, and he's like put in charge over everything in Potiphar's household. And then one day, um, the, the, the scriptures say like, Joseph was really handsome and good-looking, and so Potiphar's wife eventually, like, sees Joseph, and she's like, yo, like, Joseph, what's up, you know, and so she's like, hey, you should come to bed with me, and Joseph's like, no, I don't think it's a good idea, and so day after day, time after time, she keeps inviting him, she keeps trying to get him to come to bed with her, and Joseph's like, no, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, no, it's not going to happen, and so eventually Potiphar's wife, she gets so frustrated, so embarrassed, so angry, that she's like, all right, well, I'll show you. So she sets him up. She frames Joseph for something that he didn't even do, that he maybe considered doing, but he never fell into that temptation. So Potiphar's wife makes it out that Joseph was trying to come on to her, that he was trying to sleep with her. So of course, when Potiphar catches word of this, when he finds out about this, he's like infuriated. And so he throws Joseph into prison. So now Joseph is in prison for something he didn't do. And Joseph's in prison, and these two guys who worked for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the most powerful person in all of the land, most powerful person in Egypt, really the most powerful person in the entire world. And these two guys, known as the cupbearer and the baker, come into prison, the same prison where Joseph is. They somehow offended, made Pharaoh real mad, and so they go to prison as well. The cupbearer, he would be the guy, his job was to take sips um, before Pharaoh would, to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Great job, right? Like dream job. I don't know what happens if he takes a sip and it is poison. I guess it's like, hey, put out, you know, applications. We need to find a new cupbearer. Um, so there's the cupbearer. Then the baker He's the guy that bakes, like really good description, right? Like the baker bakes, um, but that's, that's the two guys. So now they're in this prison with Joseph, right? And there's one day where these guys are looking really sad and Joseph goes up to him. He's like, Hey, why are you so down? Why are you looking so dejected? And they're like, because we just had these dreams and we know they're significant, but we don't know what they mean. Can you like, what do we do? And Joseph's like, well, I don't, I can interpret them for you. And so Joseph tells these guys what their dreams mean. And to the the baker, he's like, it's not good. In three days, you're going to die. The cupbearer, he's like, hey, in three days, you're going to be good. I just want you to mention my name to Pharaoh when you get back in, in your position with him. And so the guy's like, okay. And so sure enough, it happens. This guy, a baker dies. Cupbearer gets out three days later. He forgets about Joseph until two years later. And two years later, Pharaoh has this dream that he knows is significant, but he cannot find anyone at all to interpret this dream for him. And so Pharaoh's like frustrated and angry and discouraged. And the cupbearer eventually is like, hey, Pharaoh, I, I know a guy. And he's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, there's this guy in prison, like the prison that you threw me in, you know, a couple years ago. This dude named Joseph interpreted my dream. It was crazy. He also interpreted the baker's dream. That was even crazier. And he's like, go get him. So they go get Joseph, and Joseph comes, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And in Genesis chapter 41, we see an interaction between Joseph Joseph. And Pharaoh, so Joseph had just interpreted Pharaoh's dream, told him there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years where, like, you're going to be living the dream, everything is going to be good. And then there's going to be seven years of a severe famine. So that's what he tells Pharaoh, and he's like, we're going to have to figure this out for real. And so the text picks up, Genesis chapter 41, beginning in verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, after Joseph had told him his dream, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one else so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh's like, listen. Like, you're the one to to make sure we're good. Um, If this is all actually going to play out with seven years of plenty and then seven years of a severe famine, like, I want you to lead everything. Like, you're basically in charge. I'm in charge because, like, that's my position. That's my role. But you're now basically in charge over everything. Like, you have all this responsibility and authority, Joseph. And so it goes on. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Like Joseph is balling now, right? He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Wow. So Joseph, Joseph goes from the pit where his brothers once sold him into slavery to a prison where he didn't deserve to be, now to a palace. From a pit to the prison to a palace. Joseph had finally arrived. Like for real started from the bottom, now we here. From the pit to the prison to the palace. Joseph is here. And just like he said, 7 years of plenty happens followed by 7 years of a famine so much so that the whole known world at the time would have to come to Egypt eventually to get food because there was no other food. Even the people Joseph's brothers who once sold him into slavery. Even they would have to come to Egypt to get this food. So the story goes on in Genesis chapter 42. We see the first encounter between Joseph and his brothers. The same brothers that sold him into slavery. So this is where the text picks up. Genesis chapter 42 verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons... Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. So Jacob is like, listen, guys, like this is getting really bad. Like we're running out of food here. We might die. Why do you just keep looking at each other, like talking about how bad it is and complaining about everything? Like get up, go down to Egypt, go make the journey and try to get some grain, try to get some food so that we can live and then come back home. You know, like go right now. And so 10 of the brothers go, but one of the brothers stays back. The, the youngest brother, Benjamin, he stays back with Jacob, the father, because Jacob's like, listen, I've already lost my favorite son once. Benjamin's now the new favorite. And he's like, Benjamin, I, I'm not even going to risk losing you. Like, we can't even risk anything bad happening to you, Benjamin. So you stay back. The other 10 brothers, you guys go ahead. You guys go to Egypt. Try to get some food. Try to get some grain so that we can live. So the text goes on. We, we pick it back up. Verse 6, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their face to the ground. And this is insane. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. Whew. Can you imagine this moment just for a second? Like I know it's hard, but can you just imagine experiencing this moment in real life like in today's time? Joseph's brothers come, they bow down to him, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph knows exactly who they are. He recognizes them, and it's the first time that Joseph has seen his brothers in 21 years, the first time since 21 years since his brothers sold him into slavery imagine this moment. Imagine the thoughts that are going through Joseph's mind. What he must have been feeling in this moment. What he must have been thinking. His heart must have been pounding about a million miles a second. And it goes on. The text goes on from here. And it says, as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. So Joseph is like trying to get after them a little bit, right? Like he's testing them. And he's like, hey, where do you guys come from? Like he's speaking a little bit harshly. It goes on. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. I can't help but just think that Joseph is like, yo, like these guys are my brothers. If you have brothers, um, like you know how this might be. And he's just like giving it to him. He's like, no, 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 you guys are spies. And they probably are like freaking out. They're like, no, no, listen, man, no, we're not. In fact, look at the way they respond. They're like, hey, no, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, Joseph said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But check it out. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, speaking about Benjamin, and one is no more speaking about Joseph. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you were spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. So Joseph is like, look, you're not all leaving until your youngest brother, Benjamin, comes. And so Joseph then says, listen, you guys are all going to spend three, three nights in prison. So he puts them in prison for 72 hours. And after the three days were up, he sends them back home to go get Benjamin. So they go back to, to get Benjamin. But one of the brothers stays back just to make sure that like, they're going to come back, you know. and and Joseph wants all of his family to, to get back to Egypt. Like, I think it's important to note here, I don't think Joseph is just being, like, vindictive or evil towards his brothers. No, I think there's a couple things at play here. I think there's a couple things that Joseph is trying to do. One, I think he wants to get his family back to Egypt. Two, I think he wants to see if he can actually trust his brothers again. Like, I really do think he wants to see if his brothers have repented at all, if they've changed, if they've turned away from their old ways, or if they just now are the same people that they once were, and now they just treat Benjamin the same way that they once treated Joseph, because Benjamin's now the youngest, and Benjamin, or he always was the youngest, but Benjamin's now the favorite. And I think Joseph's trying to see, like, if they're just the same people, and now they're treating Benjamin the same way, or if maybe they've changed. And so Simeon, one of the brothers, is held back in prison while the other brothers go home. Mind you, they go home with tons of food, like Joseph hooks them up. And eventually the brothers come come back again. And when they come back again, this is like the final test that Joseph puts them through. And so Joseph goes to his attendants, his workers, the people that work for him, and he's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a silver cup and I want you to put it in the youngest brother Benjamin's bag put it in his bag, don't tell them that you're doing it, like sneak it in there, and then give them all the food they need and send them off. And so that's what they do. And then as they're on their way back to home, on the way back to their father Jacob, Joseph's like, hey, go get them and and bring them back here. So they go to get them, they bring them back, all the brothers come back, they're like, yo, what's up? And Joseph's like, I think one of you stole a silver cup from me. Like that's a, a lot of value, there's serious consequences to that. And they're like, no, 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 like, Master, Lord, we would never do that. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no way. And Joseph's like, we'll see about that. Like, search their bags. And so sure enough, his attendants search the bags. They know exactly where it is. And they look in Benjamin, the youngest brother's bag, and there it is, the silver cup. And all the brothers are like, we we, we promise, like, we swear, we don't know what happened. Like, this had to be a huge mistake. And Joseph is like, listen, there's consequences for your actions. This isn't good. You know what needs to happen. Like, we're going to need to take Benjamin, and this isn't going to go well. But then one of the brothers, Judah, he's like, "Listen, you can't do this. Like ju- you cannot do this, sir. Lord, please don't do this. You don't understand. Like, our father has already lost one son. He's already lost his favorite, and his heart was torn apart. And if he loses another one, especially Benjamin, he, I, he, there's no way he's going to be able to go on. Like, he won't be able to take this. He won't be able to live beyond this moment. Please, do whatever you, t- whatever you need to do. Like, do whatever you need to do to me or any of the other brothers. Just don't harm Benjamin. Please, please, please. And it was in this moment that Joseph realized the brothers had changed, that they weren't the same. That they weren't just going to be willing to be like, yeah, do what you want with Benjamin. We don't know what happened, but like, it is what it is. No, they had, they had changed. They, they had turned away. They had repented. They weren't the same people that they once were 21 years ago. And so in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 45, we get to see this amazing moment take place. When Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and he goes on to forgive them for what they did. It's incredible. Check this out, Genesis chapter 45, beginning in verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. It was just him and his brothers in the room. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard about him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said this to his brothers. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, you're just crying uncontrollably. Like, dudes, don't act like you haven't had this moment. You've had this moment. It's just been in your car all by yourself. And, you know, like, you're just, you're torn up, man. You don't know what to do. And you're just like, you know, you're just, you're trying to get yourself together. You just can't. And you're just letting it out. And you're like, you just get to a point where, like, I, I have no more tears to cry. Like, I didn't know there was that much in me. You know, that was insane. That's what's going on with Joseph here. And then Joseph says to his brothers, I'm, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not even able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. goes on. Then Joseph said to his brothers, hey, come, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one that you sold into slavery in Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Text finishes off. For two years now, there has been a severe famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then... It was not you who sent me here, but God, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Joseph tells his brothers, there's gonna be five more years of a severe famine that are still to come, but I got you. I got you, go home, tell your father everything, tell my father everything and bring him back to me. And man, I man, I love this moment and I love this line, these two words right here, but God. Because Joseph is, can imagine the brothers in this moment, brothers are like feeling terrible, they're heartbroken, and they're wondering, what, what do we do? And Joseph is like telling them like, hey, you know, I, I forgive you, I, I really do, and, and they're heartbroken. But he says, listen, 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 you need to know this, I know you feel like you did all this to me, but really it was God, God was in control from the very beginning, Like, you did this, but God. And I feel like some of you, if you hang on, if you keep trusting God and following Him, if you don't lose faith, if you keep your eyes focused on Him, you're going to have some but God moments in your life. This person let me down, but God redeemed it for good. There was this broken relationship that I experienced, but God showed me that there was still hope for me in the future. I don't know what it is going to be for you, but I believe there's this crucial pivot where there's going to be a but God moment where you think the story is over, but God comes through and he redeems. Did God cause this evil to happen in Joseph's life? Absolutely not. Did he redeem it? 100%. Does God cause the terrible, hard things that happen in your life? No. But can he redeem it? 100%. Absolutely Joseph sends his brothers back home, tells them there's gonna be five more years of severe famine. It's gonna be all right, I got you. Bring dad back to me. And so they, they come back. When they come back, you can go to the next note for me there, they come back to him. And I think the most incredible moment of Joseph's life, of his story, had just happened. Like, come on, let's just reflect for a minute here on this series and on the story of Joseph, right? Like, there were some pretty amazing moments, pretty amazing when Joseph got sold into slavery and gets sold to Potiphar and like he's faithful to Potiphar and he becomes in charge of Potiphar's whole, whole household. It, it was pretty emo- amazing moment when Joseph has the integrity, the character to, to not go sleep with Potiphar's wife. Like I'm sure that was tempting. I imagine she was attractive. I imagine it wasn't just like easy for Joseph to say no. It, it it was probably, you know, a pretty crazy thing to witness when Joseph was in the prison. He shouldn't have been there, but yet he was the, a faithful attendant, and he, the prison warden puts him in charge of the whole entire prison. It's a pretty amazing moment in Joseph's life. Pretty amazing that while he's in prison for something he didn't even do, that he has the, the awareness to go check on these two guys who are feeling really down, and to say, hey, how are you? Like, why are you so dejected? But I think the most amazing moment in Joseph's entire story is when he forgives his brothers because he had every single reason to not do so. Like Joseph had every reason to harbor unforgiveness in his heart and to grow bitter in his heart. I mean, for goodness sake, they sold him into slavery and then went home and tried to tell his dad that an animal mauled him and Joseph was dead. But I think Joseph realized that living the dream, to live out the life that God has for you, to to follow down the path of all the things that God wants to do in and through you, to live the dream, it's going to require you to forgive. And forgiveness is hard. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Forgiveness at times is going to be really, really hard. But living with unforgiveness is harder, I promise you. Forgiveness is hard, but living with unforgiveness is harder. And come on, for some of us, doesn't it feel so good, if we're just being honest, doesn't it feel so good to just hold a grudge? Like, aren't there times, aren't there people that you know you you should maybe forgive them? Or you know, like, I haven't forgiven them, but it just feels better to hold a grudge. You don't want to let them off the hook, and you feel like it's just, I'm good. I'll let them forgive me. I have people in my life that, as I've been preparing for this talk, I've thought about, and man, if you could just see the conversations that are going on in my mind of, like, well, I've tried forgiving them. Like, I, you know, there was this one time when, like, we were together, and I went over, and I tried to give them a high five, or like, an elbow bump since COVID, and and they didn't, they didn't give me an elbow bump. Like, I tried, and I'm like, Matt, really? Like, that's, that's your justification for why you haven't forgiven them because you tried, but they wouldn't give you an elbow bump. What would ha- if they would've given you the elbow bump, Matt, would you have then like had a conversation with them? No, you haven't tried. And I haven't tried because it just feels better to hold a, a grudge, to not feel like I'm letting them off the hook. But I want you to hear this, TLR, and I want you to hear me clearly on this. Pain in your life cannot get better if you remain bitter pain, the pain that you feel, it can't get better if you remain bitter. And when you allow unforgiveness to to store up in your life, when you let unforgiveness stay around, I'm telling you, it is a matter of time before bitterness starts to build up in your heart. And bitterness will hold you back. Unforgiveness breeds bitterness. Bitterness. And bitterness holds you back. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, well, Matt, because same thing I'm thinking. You don't understand. There was something that happened. Like it was the way they talked to me, Matt. The way they talked about me. They they, they cheated on me. Maybe they stole something from you physically or emotionally. They took advantage of you. Maybe your mom or dad never showed up. Or your parents promised time and time again they were going to work it out. They were going to get things straight. But then they got divorced. You fill in the blank. And that unforgiveness in your heart has calloused into bitterness. And here you are. And the unforgiveness that's become bitterness is holding you back from living the dream. Holding you back from stepping in to all that God wants to do in and through your life. And so as we begin to close tonight, I want to just say a couple of things that I think we learn from the story of Joseph. A couple of things that I think we learn specifically as it pertains to forgiveness. And the first one, you can throw this up on the screen. We can jump ahead. The first thing that I think you learn from Joseph is that Joseph had a really big view of God. Joseph had a really big view of God. Throughout his entire life, I think there were certainly moments where Joseph was like, hey, this sucks. I wish I weren't in this position. I don't want to be in the prison. I'm tired of waiting. But ultimately, Joseph had a really, really big view of God. I don't think his faith ever wavered. And I think it's one of the main reasons why he was able to forgive his brothers, because he realized that God was at work, that God was redeeming even the worst moments in his life. Second thing I think we learn is this, is that forgiveness doesn't mean a relationship has to be rebuilt. And listen, this is so huge. Because for some of you, this is the main reason why you haven't forgiven that person you know you need to forgive. Because you feel like, again, it's, it's letting them off the hook or you feel like it's letting them back in and you were terrified to let them back in. And maybe you shouldn't even be thinking about letting them back in. But forgiveness does not mean a relationship has to be rebuilt. Notice Joseph, this conversation that he was having with his brothers, he was kind of asking them some questions. The text goes on and it says after he forgave them, they stayed and talked for a while. I wonder what, what, that, what that conversation was like. I wonder the things Joseph was saying to them. I think trust probably, it took some time to build the trust back up. Like forgiveness is... is doesn't mean that you're just good. You could still have boundaries up with people. Now sometimes, listen, sometimes there's a fine line and sometimes forgiveness can be the first step towards moving down a path of a relationship being restored. But forgiveness does not mean automatically that the relationship has to be rebuilt. And the third thing is this, we can look to Jesus. Ultimately, we have an example that Joseph didn't have. We have Jesus to look to. And failing to forgive someone is choosing to overlook the gospel that saved you. (laughs) Failing to forgive someone is choosing to say, I'm just going to overlook the gospel that forgives, that saved me. Um, I'm going to overlook the fact that I've been forgiven for all my sins, past, present, and future sins. And even though I've received such amazing forgiveness, I'm not going to extend forgiveness to that person. No way do they deserve it. Forgiven people forgive people. And on the other side of forgiveness, I believe is your freedom to fully step into the future that God has for you. I believe on the other side of forgiveness is a restored relationship, or at least the potential for it. On the other side of forgiveness is a healthier family. On the other side of forgiveness is a better you. And as we close tonight, I was thinking, like, how can I I finish this? And so I I came up with this illustration. I hope it it makes sense. it made sense to me, so we'll, we'll see. But I think this is how it looks for a lot of us. This is how it's, it's looked for me in my life oftentimes. Is that what happens is, is I have these offenses, things that have happened to me. And like this right, right here, this is hurt from the past. And what I do is I kind of just store it up. I let unforgiveness store up in my, in my life, in my heart. And then there's, there's this one right here. This is, this is a broken relationship. So I just kind of store it up. And then there's, there's this one. And this is empty promises. Broken promises that people give to you. Your mom, your dad, your coach. Maybe all the way back to like elementary school, right? And you still haven't gotten over it. You're still carrying it with you. And so what do we do? We, we take these things and, and we start to store them up. We start to hang on to them, carry them around with us everywhere that we go. I'll just put two of them in here because I don't think I'm going to be able to carry all three. <laughs> and then we carry it around, and we're like, no, we're good. We're good, we're good. I'm, I feel good. Yeah, life's great. Man, you feel like anything's heavy in your life right now? No, I don't. I feel so good, you know. T.L.R. was great tonight, just worshiping and, whoo, just free, man. just feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders, like. And then guess what happens? It's like a person comes into your life and it's the potential for a healthy relationship. But because you're still carrying around bitterness from that broken relationship, you're not freed up to step into a healthy one. Unforgiveness turns into bitterness and bitterness will hold you back. But I'm telling you, forgiveness will free you forward. Forgiveness will free you forward maybe hurt from your past, is keeping you from stepping in and believing that there's hope for your future. And so I just wonder what would happen tonight if some of you said, man, I'm gonna start the process. I'm not saying it's gonna happen like tonight on the way home, but I'm gonna start the process of challenging and thinking to myself, is there someone I need to forgive? Because I believe that in the process of that, if you're able to forgive that person, if you're able to let go of whatever it is that you've been hanging on to, that's when you're freed to step into the future God has for you. That's when hurt from your past can turn into hope for your future. That's when a broken relationship can turn into a healthy relationship. So man, that's that's my hope and challenge for you guys. Is that you'll be able to identify who it is that you need to forgive and be honest with yourself and say, I need to forgive them because I need to be freed moving forward. Because if you truly want to live the dream in your life, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to extend forgiveness. And in doing so, it's going to be really hard. I'm telling you, for some of you, it's going to be, it's going to be so tough. And there's the fear of, 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 I don't know how they're going to respond to that. It might even be worse. But listen, you forgiving them, at least you can be at peace with the situation. And you can be freed into stepping into all that Jesus wants to do in and through your life. And man, TLR, I want that so badly for every single one of you. If, if, if all you did in college was think about the people you need to forgive, and if you could leave these few years of your life and feel like, man, I have forgiven some people. I've, 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 done some, I've made some tough phone calls, sent some te- tough texts, but man, I am leaving, I am walking off this campus feeling so free to live out all the things God wants to do in and through me. Man, if that's all you did over your college experience, I think it would be well worth it.